0: Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28 as we have the privilege of reading the very Word of God. In Nehemiah chapter 8, when Ezra, the prophet, opened the Word, opened the Law, the people stood out of reverence and respect for the author of Scripture. God has given us this written Word It is inspired, it is infallible, and it is inerrant. Please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. Reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the privilege of being able to study your word, and we pray that you would give us uh, ears to hear. Hearts to respond, for it's in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray, Amen. Please be seated. You noticed in the uh, in your title, it's uh, this is part two of the question, "What is the church?" And uh, as we think through this, remember that uh, last week we talked about the church is is people you know, that God has brought drawn together, a group of people to make up the church uh keep in mind too and i don't i don't think i emphasize this point we'll talk more about it in future times that are here that i'm here but these people whom he has drawn together have been saved for service uh i think oftentimes we 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 merely take up space we have been saved for service not for the purpose of just being here Okay, Uh, We're going to start developing that uh, as I work my way through this series. We saw, secondly, that this group of people have a king, and that king is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We saw that he is that one who commands us and and, uh, sends us forth in these times of service. And then, thirdly, we saw a particular application in terms of this group of people and the importance of the command that we find in John thirteen, where Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another, and we develop the that, that, that whole sense of the importance of the body and the importance of the body ministering to itself. Uh, keep in mind an army that isn't healthy isn't going to accomplish much. And so that the church has to be healthy if it's going to be that kind of army. We know through history that uh great armies have lost battles for lack of shoes lack of weapons we know that great armies were devastated by the russian winter because they weren't prepared they weren't healthy to handle those type of situations and so as we look at the church of jesus christ the church has to be healthy also and can always ask the question you know what what has happened since last week to make First Presbyterian Church of Biloxi, healthier. So remember, the word always is a re- there's a response to it. So I, I, I encourage you to think through that. You know how how can we manifest that love for one another and thus strengthen the body of Christ here in Biloxi. Today we're going to deal with now the task because the church has been given a task. Again. He didn't save us just to take up space. He saved us for service. As we think about this task, it's going to take us several Sundays to work through that. But as we think about this significance of this today, I brought a light bulb. Now, oops, as we think about a light bulb. And I want you to keep your Bibles open with me as we look at several different portions of Scripture that describe us as something like a light bulb. Okay? Also keep in mind that this light bulb, though it has a certain picturesque aspect to it, is not useful unless you do what? You've got to screw this into a a socket, right? Right? Is that the right word, Mike? I've got to screw it in. And when when it hits the source of power, what's going to happen? It's going to light up, right? And so the first thing we have to realize is that for this light bulb to work, that it's got to be connected to a source of power. As you think about this light bulb, folks, we have to think about our own lives as well, because we will not be the lights that we're about to talk about unless we are connected to the source of that power, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep in mind, Christianity, guys, is a relationship. A relationship with whom? A relationship with Jesus that changes our lives. We read Isaiah 6 a few minutes ago, and uh, John, you picked that out, right? He and I hadn't talked about that at all. Brothers and sisters, that's a portion of Scripture that was preached the night the Lord drew me to Himself. I was a good guy working my way to heaven until I realized through this portion of Scripture that here was Isaiah, this really good guy, and yet the realization that he was a sinner. And that he needed to be touched by Jesus. We aren't saved because we're members of a church. We aren't saved because we're basically good folks. When in reality, no man is basically evil because he's sinful. None of us are basically good. So let's, let's remove that from the equation to begin with. Without Jesus, we... Just like this light bulb without a power source, we would be useless. And so as we begin, search your hearts to make sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For it's only through Jesus and receiving him by faith and faith alone do I have salvation. It's not based upon my mom and dad. It's not based upon all these great works we do. It's based upon bowing the knee before the sovereign Lord of the universe, acknowledging that He died for my sins. And I trust in Him and Him alone for salvation. Jesus. And Jesus alone. Or else... We're just as useless as this light bulb in my hand. As we think about the significance of this concept of light, realize that the impact of Israel was to have been the very same thing. God had set them aside for the purpose of spreading the gospel but they became very proud and very arrogant they were a, they were they were god's children so they considered themselves above everybody else and when you think about world history please understand ancient world history every trading route came right through where now remember history scholars in world history you know, the beginning of salvation was around what was known as the Fertile Crescent because of the importance of water. You had the Tigris and Euphrates over here, and you had the Nile over here. You had desert here, and no trade routes went through the desert, you see. And so they would travel, you know, from that Tigris-Euphrates basin to, you know, along the, the, the Mediterranean sea coast and down into Egypt. And where was Israel? That's how come Joseph ended up in, in Egypt. You realize that, don't you? Those trade routes. And it was through those, that, it was through that contact with the nation of Israel that the name of the Lord was to be spread. This was their purpose. You read that in the book of Isaiah, using the phraseology of light as well. Within God's providence, that one who is the light, and turn to John chapter 1 as we begin our trek in terms of the study of light. John chapter 1, we'll be looking particularly at verse 5. These first 18 verses are commonly known as the prologue. They introduce the gospel, of the, the gospel account of John in telling us about the, the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here we have the the announcement of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that One who is the very revelation of God, which is why John uses this particular term, Word. This is God's message to people. It was the climax of all of the Old Testament prophecies, pointing to the Messiah. And now the Messiah is here. He's arrived. He is God's message to these people. And John the Apostle describes Him as light. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In some of the older translations of the Bible, you have this particular Greek word, which we translate as overcome, as comprehend. Which gives the impression that people didn't understand who this was. They didn't understand who Jesus Christ was. When in reality, the word itself has more of the connotation of victory, more connotation of triumph. It shouldn't be translated comprehend, but overcome. In other words, there's nothing that can, that, that can turn off the light. You can't go and you can't flick a switch to make this inactive once again. Jesus Christ through His death and through His resurrection conquered death. Conquered Satan. The victory has been achieved. Christ sits on the throne and nothing happens lest He has ordained it to be as the Lord of the universe. He is in control of all things. Cannot be overcome. The announcement of the victory. Now, as you think about the significance of that victory to help us understand the challenges that we face today. One of the most profound statues in Washington, D.C. was based upon a picture, probably the most famous picture of World War II, where you had Marines plant a flag on Iwo Jima. That flag was planted early in the battle for the island. But with the planting of the flag, what was proclaimed? Victory, right? We've won. But it took months and thousands of casualties to clean the island of the Japanese. With the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, victory was proclaimed. He has conquered Satan. He has conquered death. The light cannot be overcome. And yet, in the midst of the time period between His ascension and His return, there is a battle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. But the victory has already been accomplished. And so that as warriors within that battle, we don't need to go about as if we've been defeated, as if we've been kicked to the curb. Victory has been won, but there's still a battle that's got to go on. But the light cannot be overcome by the darkness. Matthew chapter 5. The Lord Jesus Christ, in His Sermon on the Mount, He's worked His way through. Whoops! Put it in my pocket. He's worked His way through the Beatitudes, characteristics of a believer. And by the way, when you study the Beatitudes, don't look at it as being a cafeteria list or a, a, a cafeteria. You know, it's not a bunch of choices that you can make. You know, uh, give me a little bit of merciful. I don't want any pure of heart. You know, that kind of thing. These are characteristics that describe a follower of Jesus Christ. These are things that are to be in our lives. he, He stated these nine characteristics, and then he immediately goes into the fact that we are salt, save that for a later discussion, and he says we are light. The picture is, brothers and sisters, as followers of Christ, as we live out these characteristics within the midst of this world, we are lights. What does he say? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. It would be a picture of having the light on, but we put a basket over it so it doesn't shine forth. But on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven the wonderful picture that the lord jesus christ gives here is that as as we live our lives because of our relationship with the lord jesus christ the reality of that uh, the reality of that relationship shines forth and lights the room just like a light bulb would light the room in other words christians Impact the setting in which they're operating because of their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says people should be able to look at you and see your good works. Now it's not good works that are, that, that's earning our way to heaven. Brothers and sisters, we cannot earn our way to heaven. We are saved only by grace and grace alone. But because of the grace, Our lives are changed, and that change radiates like light to a room. And people see that. They see the difference in the life of a Christ follower. And they're impacted by that, which is the second phrase, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The reality of a relationship lived with Jesus shines forth just like a light in a dark room when you turn on that switch gives light to that room. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul begins the context here by telling us to be imitators of God as beloved children. One of the beautiful theological understandings of the Reformation is the concept of adoption. We've been adopted. We've been made his children. And therefore, we're to be imitators of our father, imitators of God as beloved children. Let me pick up the reading in verses 7 and 8. Let me begin. Let me begin in verse six, because seven begins with a therefore and, and, and in the scripture, therefore is a connecting term ties thoughts together. So verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them at the for, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are darkness. Light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Paul sets forth the distinction that we were once in darkness. And you've got to understand that prior to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we were in darkness. But Paul tells us in the book of Colossians, that we have been transferred out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of light or the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now that we have had experienced this kingdom change, we are to walk as children of light. And the word walk here means the daily affairs, the daily things that we do. It doesn't necessarily apply to how I put my left foot in front of my right. It applies to how do I deal with Sharon throughout the day? How do I deal with my grandson throughout the day? How do I deal with issues that come up all of a sudden that for which I'm not prepared? How do I deal with turning the ignition switch in my car and nothing happening? How do I deal with months that are too short for all the bills that are accumulated through that month? How do I deal with a coworker responding to me in anger? How do we deal with the daily affairs of, of life? If we are in the light, as Paul tells us here, then that means that, that our lives are going to be this this light that shines forth as we seek to be what the Lord Jesus wants to be. And thus Paul says, For the fruit of life, excuse me, the fruit of light, you know, it's kind of like if you go to an apple tree, what do you expect to find? Apples. Right? Go to a pear tree, what do you expect to find? Go to a Christian tree, what do you expect to find? The fruit of knowing Jesus, right? See, that's what Paul's talking about here. The evidence of is found in all that is good and right and true. One more, Philippians chapter 2. And I go end this section on, uh, with the book of Philippians because it's got a great application. We'll look specifically at verse 15 of Galatians chapter 2, but it's a good place to start is verse 14. Don't often do well with this one. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. That's how he starts the paragraph. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God. Oops, once again, adoption. Like father, like son. Right? See, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So Paul's telling us that in the midst of all this blackness that's around us, in the midst of all of these, this evil that's around us, you see, that darkness that's around us, we shine as lights in the world. The idea of the evidence of that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that manifests itself in lives. That it's obvious we love Jesus. Now, you need to be careful here because some people will say, well, I'm just going to live that life and they're going to see it. Well, what if they don't know it's being lived because you love Jesus? It's kind of like when you study the life of Robert E Lee, you know, was was he a believer because of his love for Jesus or was he the epitome of a southern gentleman? And it was in the DNA. Well, I personally believe that there was a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but you have to be careful because most of the books written closely after his life, they almost deify the man. Yeah, he was called he was named at West Point the marble man because it was like he was so perfect he was chiseled out of marble. Okay? Now, you read about Stonewall Jackson, the guy was so unique, it was obvious he had to love Jesus. But that's part of the challenge, you see. Again, I personally believe that that Lee did know the Lord Jesus Christ. And there were some writings that demonstrate that. But you have to be careful even as we examine our own lives. Are we merely good people? Or are we this way because of Jesus? And that's the question that you have to ask. I'm to be a light. A light that shines forth. And that people see Jesus in me. Think about it. Paul is writing the book of Philippians to the church at Philippi, right? Right? We all agree? Okay, good. Paul's second missionary journey, he and Silas go through this part of Asia Minor. And in Philippi, they get thrown into jail because they were preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And in jail, what are they doing? They're singing praises and they're praying to God. An earthquake comes. The gate on the prison door, or the on the prison cell, falls open. The jailer's about to thrust himself on a sword because he was responsible for the, all the guys in his prison, and, and, and Paul cries out, "We're here! Don't, don't do that." What did the jailer say? In modern vernacular, I want what you guys have. Right? What must I do to be saved is what's recorded in that account in the book of Acts. That man saw in the life of those individuals something he wanted because there was such a fulfillment in their lives, such a light that radiated in their lives, and he knew he didn't have it, and he wanted it. Could people look at our lives and, and see that same thing? You know, that's often why we need to be careful when we pray, because, you know, it's almost like, Lord, spare me from evil times. When do people see how much we really love Jesus? When everything's hunky-dory? When? When we go through tough times, right? You know, Paul wasn't on the Italian Riviera sipping on a Dr. Pepper and soaking up the rays. He was in jail. Far from an ideal place to be. And yet, as we find in Philippians chapter 4, where he says, I've learned to be content, for in Christ I can what? Do all things. See, the light shined forth in the midst of darkness. What would happen as people look at our lives? What would they see? Now, as you think about that, please understand as well that as people see the reality of Christians living out their relationship with Jesus, that's how the church grows. That's how the church impacts the community in which we live. Okay? Because people want what we have. Because we have Jesus. Now, be careful here. I didn't say that's how First Presbyterian of Biloxi grows. I said that's how the church grows, right? Did you get that distinction? Our responsibility is to seek first God's kingdom. And if God uses you in the lives of others, no matter where they go to church, you've impacted that church, right? Agree? Disagree? God's going to take care of 1st Prince Biloxi if it's doing the business, if it's doing His business. Right? Our business is to be about exalting the Father, being lights in the midst of darkness. And as God uses us in the lives of other people, Who cares as long as they love Jesus? We've extended the kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus will take care of his people. He tells us that. If you don't believe it, read Matthew 6. He'll take care of us. Because it's in that paragraph that he says seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, not the kingdom of the PCA, not the kingdom of Grace Presbytery his kingdom and his kingdom alone. That's the business of God's people. Lights in the midst of darkness. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for salvation. It is a gift. A gift that we could not earn. A gift that we could not buy. A gift given to us that ought to so motivate us that our lives are lived in such a way that people see the reality of that gift in our lives. Oh, strengthen us to that end, dear Father, for it's in the wonderful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.